0: On this Gaudete Sunday, a Sunday we are called to rejoice as we look forward to the coming, the imminent coming of Jesus Christ as we recall his incarnation on Christmas. I want to focus especially on the nature of scandal. What happens in scandal and what does scandal do to us? I think it's one of the most important things we can meditate on because the primary reason that people leave the faith, that people walk away from Christ and the church is because of scandal. And John the Baptist's question is one of the most important questions I think he he asked in his life. Are you the one who we should be looking for or should we go to another? Should we hope in somebody else? Now this is a man granted who what his own birth was a miracle announced by an angel to a mother who was beyond her time to give birth. This is a man who leapt in his mother's womb just in the presence of Jesus when he was in Mary's womb. This is a man who went into the desert his entire life to be prepared to be a forerunner of the Messiah. This is a man who heard the father say over Christ, you are my beloved son at his baptism and saw the Holy Spirit descend upon him. And this is a man who told his own disciples to leave him and go follow Jesus Christ. And now he is in prison for something as arbitrary as preaching against divorce and remarriage to Herod. And he has the question on his mind, are you the one we were waiting for or should we look for another? He came to a crisis of faith in that prison cell because who Jesus revealed himself to be was different from who John expected him to be, or at least his life situation, what it would be. Every single one of us will come to this point in our own life, in our faith. We think we know God. We think we know our faith. We think we have a firm understanding. And a crisis takes place, and all of a sudden, everything is thrown into question. And we find ourselves even asking, does God exist? Do you even know me? Do you even see my suffering of what I'm going through? That's when scandal comes into our life. We can be scandalized, one priest said it, God is scandalously permissive. God allows a lot of suffering in life. And when that happens, what's really a jeopardy is our understanding of who God is and our faith. So even C.S. Lewis, he talked about three stages of love that can be applied to almost anything in life. That when your first stage is illusionment so you you project all the the perfect features on the other right that's where a lot of the cat humans are right now they're coming in and the catholic church is going to be this perfect refuge away from a fallen world and i'll finally be in a place of light against the darkness right and then you have the time of disillusionment and that's where the facade breaks down this happens in relationships you get in a relationship, you fall in love, you become infatuated, the other person is perfect. And then the disillusionment happens when you start to see them for who they really are. No longer the projection of what you thought they would be, but you experience them in reality. And that's where a lot of people break up. That's where a lot of relationships end. That's where a lot of people can lose their faith. But C.S. Lewis says if you stay in the relationship long enough, if you make it through the disillusionment, you'll become re illusioned on the other side. You'll see the other person through who they are in themselves, not just a projection, but then you can <coughs> love them in reality. It's the same thing with the church. People come in, they're illusioned, then they become disillusioned when they see the problems. You know, that we're still a bunch of broken people coming together, calling ourselves sinners, and, and striving for salvation. And then if you stay in that relationship, you become reillusioned in the faith. So scandal, though, this means that it's the word scandal actually means stumbling block. It means you're walking on your way and something happens that makes you trip up and then maybe not continue on that course. And so the, the danger of scandal is that when we are scandalized, when we don't have Proper expectations of who Jesus is. My projection of who Christ is versus the reality. My projection on what my life will be versus the reality. My projection on what the Catholic Church will be versus the reality. That's where the stumbling block happens and we can lose faith along the way. They say scandal is Christ's greatest adversary in the human heart. Because there's nothing more dangerous along the way of our journey than scandal. And every single person at one point in our life, one point in our faith, many points, we can become scandalized. And that's nothing new in the history of scriptures. Every single person involved in salvation history, especially those that were closest to Jesus Christ in his life, experienced great scandals in God's revelation So you look at Joseph himself. There's nothing in scripture that suggests that Joseph knew that he was going to live his entire life as a celibate man. We can imagine that might have been pretty difficult for Joseph to find out that his woman who was about to marry was impregnated by the Holy Spirit and that he himself would live as a celibate. And what was Joseph's first response? I'll divorce her in quiet. And there's different ways we can interpret this. But we could say that was a scandal for him. He didn't understand this revelation. And then the angel had to come to him and say, no, you must go forward with this. It's of God. Mary, one of the scariest questions that Mary ever asked Christ, in my opinion, was why? Mary was conceived without sin. She's the most perfect of all creatures, we would say, right? And yet when Jesus left them, when they visited Jerusalem and went into the temple without them knowing, Mary and Joseph searched for three days and found him in the temple and said, my son, why have you done this to us? Even a woman without sin has to ask God why. So it means that it doesn't matter how holy we become, scandal will still be a part of our life. Uh, Jesus' own people, it says, literally, the reason that the Nazareans rejected Christ in his public ministry was because they were scandalized at him. He was too ordinary. Right? The Pharisees were scandalized by Jesus because he, he cured on the Sabbath. He was too liberal for their point of view. Many of the disciples left him when he preached about the need to receive his body and blood in order to have life within us. He was too radical. Right? And Jesus' response to them when they questioned, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said, Are you scandalized in me? What if you saw the Son of Man ascending up to heaven? And still today, the number one reason many people do not enter the Catholic faith is because they can't come to understand that God would give us his own body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. John 6, 6, 6, 6 many of his disciples left him at that moment and no longer walked with him. The Eucharist continues to be a source of great scandal to many. Another great scandal, the apostles with Peter. The apostles all fled at the time of the Passion because they couldn't understand Christ's weakness. Peter himself, when when Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem, I must be handed over so that I might be uh, crucified and then risen on the third day, Peter said to him, Far be it from you, Lord, that this should happen. And Jesus' response to him, get behind me, Satan. You are a scandal to me. You're a stumbling block to me because you're thinking as men do and not as God. So the weakness of God can be a scandal to us. It was one of the hardest things uh, the apostles had to reconcile with. How could Christ allow himself to be handed over? So we are all tempted to be scandalized at different times in our faith. And that's okay. That's expected. What makes John the Baptist so blessed is what Christ says to him. Blessed is the one who is not scandalized in me. Blessed is the one who does not take offense at me. Saint John is the great example of surrender even when all of my hopes and dreams of what I thought Christ would bring into my life have led me only to a prison cell to die by myself in infamy. And yet he surrenders his life in faith. That's why he's blessed. Every single one of us will go through scandals in our walking with Christ. And some are scandalized, some leave the church, because in our times, the church will not bless homosexual unions, right? And the church will never bless homosexual unions. That's not on the table, because we don't have power to do that. And then some are scandalized in the church because they say, we don't speak more clearly about this or condemn it. You have some people who are scandalized by the fact that we won't ordain women in the priesthood which John Paul II, St. John Paul II said, the church has no power to ordain women. It wasn't given to us by Jesus Christ, who who himself did not do that. But then other people are scandalized in the liturgy alone just when you have a woman lector. You have some people who are scandalized by the church being too traditional or the liturgy being too traditional, and you have some who are scandalized by the church being too traditional or literal, liberal, both ways. It's all the same crossroads. It doesn't matter. Every single one of us will be scandalized in our walking with Christ when who we thought he would be doesn't match up with the revelation of who he is. And that's okay. That's the point. It's okay to be scandalized. What's important is what is it doing in my heart in the midst of it? Is it hardening my heart and making me retract from Christ, to lose faith in Christ, to lose faith in the church, or is it moving me towards surrender? So today we celebrate Gaudete Sunday, and we're called to rejoice as we look forward to the coming of Christ. And that's my challenge for us. It's a very practical challenge, very easy. But we all know some of the hardest times of the year are the greatest times of the year, which is Christmas. But there's also a lot of scandal that can happen within us when our expectations of what Christmas will be matches the reality of what it actually is. All right, so to me, growing up, Christmas was always the worst day of the world because it was the day I looked forward to more than anything else. And by noon, there was nothing else to look forward to. There's no more gifts to open. There's no more family to visit. There's no more movies to watch or traditions to do. Everything's over. And it was always left with this deep emptiness. And I realized the reason that was, was because my joy was not on Jesus Christ. My joy was on everything working out around the holidays, how I expected it or wanted it to be. So what if we make this our challenge for all you students going back with your families, regardless of what you go back into this holiday season? Preserve the joy of Gaudete Sunday, when we're called to rejoice in nothing else but the coming of Jesus Christ alone. Pope Benedict was asked, what did Jesus actually bring into the world by his incarnation? What did he actually do for us? And this was his answer. Jesus brought himself. What did Jesus actually bring, if not world peace, universal prosperity, and a better world? What has he brought? The answer is very simple. He has brought God. He has brought God, and now we know his face. Now we can call upon him. Now we know the path that we human beings have to take in this world for the salvation of our souls. It is only because of our hardness of heart that we think that this is too little. Only Jesus Christ. Everything else that people hoped would bring with his presence was a letdown at one time or another. He only brought himself, God in the flesh. And maybe that's why in every single mass here, he comes with nothing else. All we get is his presence in sacramental signs of bread and wine in Holy Communion. And he's teaching us to rest our joy in him alone, even if everything else along the way fails. And blessed are we if we are not scandalized in that.